Welcome in, welcome in. What intro do I play? <laughs> deep cover crossover. I didn't know which one. Should I play the deep cover one too? Should we just do that? It took me for a loop. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the crossover. I was I didn't, didn't hit me until just that moment when I looked. I was like, oh wait. Uh, didn't matter. Maybe I do one at the beginning and a different one at the end. Uh, but as you as you can hear, if you I don't know if we'll do this one on video yet, as, as you will hear. Uh, this is a crossover episode coming off of a disappointing week six loss for the Ravens going up there to the Meadowlands. Wink Martindale probably popping his chain somewhere, sadly. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll chop it all up. We always do, but in special fashion this week because not only is it the man, the myth, the legend, Denard Melton, the Fire Zone show, it is also Chris Aguilera, Carrie Stevenson, Deep Cover Pods, Finest, The Brains, the looks. Sexification. <laughs> sweeping, sweeping Kay Adams off her feet. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm trying to keep it under wraps. <laughs> yeah, you put it out on Twitter. So you said you was ring shopping. On no, I'm, I'm, I'm locking my page. Wow. Okay. That's serious already. I told Mike I'm trying to work to get Steve Smith on the show tonight. Oh, <laughs> hey, Steve, Steve Smith, for those who don't know, was on Club Shay Shay with Shannon Sharp. Uh, got into a little Ravens talk, talked about Lamar's contract, talked about the offense, and also talked about something that if you're a fire zone show listener, we probably even talked about it on Deep Cover at some point. But I know Denar has talked about it a couple different times. It's like, hey, you can look at the quarterback, you can look at the offensive coordinator, but Maybe you need to look at the head coach. Steve Smith didn't come out and say head coach, but he was talking about the offense, and he said, you know what? I used to want to blame Greg Roman. And then he stopped and kind of went into something else. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just saying, Steve might say, you know what? I used to think it was this. I used to think it was that. Now I'm thinking it's this other thing. I ain't going to name no names. Philosophy starts at the top. (laughs) You know, but check it out for yourself. Go go listen to that. Uh, you know, hear it for yourself instead of me misquoting or paraphrasing. You can you can draw your own conclusions. But um, let's 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 jump into this week six game, man. It was um, I didn't see it live. <laughs> I came back and watched it after the fact, so I probably didn't get as like emotionally invested in it as I as I saw people were. You know, and I, was, I was looking back through timeline and stuff. Um, but we'll do uh, something. Speaking of, you know, jumping from you know one one show to the other, uh, we probably will do something that's a little bit of a, a deep cover thing. We got a little segment on there. You may have heard of it, Denar. We call Vibe Check. So uh, let's get. We just gotta keep it happy and keep the vibe going. Cause this is vibes and stuff. And we out. Bring a nigga the vibes. You gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta go. If you're bringing negative vibes, Bateman, hopefully who will be back uh, coming up this week against the Browns, and you got to go. But let's start with the uh, – uh, man, I don't even know where I'm going to start. Carrie, let's start with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to thinking, like, who's the guest? Who's the guest now? Who's, who's hosting and who's the guest? It threw me off. Let's start with you, Carrie. Uh, 
what's the vibe coming out of that game? Unfortunately, you know, the Ravens weren't able to, to finish it off at the end and get the win. But Denard was telling us some stuff before we started recording just about, you know, the, the, the high level picture of where this team is at. What, what's your vibe about this game? Yeah, man, much like the uh, Cameron song from back in the day with the rapper that we will not name on this show, mm. Down But Not Out. Mm. <laughs> I like it. Down But Not like Out. Um, I will not say that name. Yeah, no, well, we know, yeah we're not going to say that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you can't help but to be a little bit disappointed um, with it. But when you look at everything – this team, the flashes, their high-level flashes are up there with any team in the league. When they play their best football, you know, maybe the Bills, maybe a couple other teams kind of rival that. Um, and, you know, a lot of these mistakes are correctable mistakes. Um, so it, the inconsistency can be frustrating. Uh, the lack of finishing can be frustrating. But um, we just sat here before the show um, and, you know, talked about the issues specifically from this past game. All correctable stuff. There's nothing in there that we said that that isn't correctable. So, you know, I'll take that still three and three, still, you know, top of the division. Um, but, you know, we can't keep saying over and over again, oh, well, this can get better at some point you know, you have to turn that corner. Um, but for the time being, um, you know, just that same, that, that vibe, man, down but not out. I like it. I like it. All right. I'm, I'm going to start a rotation because if I try to change this up throughout the show, it's, it's going to be chaos for me. So we're going to go in order on my screen. So now I'm going to go to you, Denard. And I know that we focus on defense on the fire zone show, but this is an open vibe for you, defense, offense, how, uh, wherever you want to take it, man. What, how you feel coming out of that game? Annoyed. I I would be annoyed if I if I walked into that locker room. I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be pissed off. I wouldn't be upset. I'd be annoyed because you know you can play better, and you're not. And that's more just not doing the little things. So coming out of the game, you're just kind of like you know is more there. So you hope that you can take some of that that annoyed energy and channel it the right way to make yourself stop doing the five false start penalties hmm. or deciding that what got you from the first three quarters on both sides of the ball, we're just going to play it all, just stop doing it in the fourth quarter. So, nothing better than a get-right game with the Browns coming in with a whole mess of stuff and new stuff popping up with Mr. Watson. So, that can't be a fun place to be right now. So, <laughs> here you go. What are you going to do this week to get better and have a chance to get some much-needed confidence rolling into – I think I saw online the fifth easiest schedule coming in the house. Got to take advantage of it. You got to. The Browns coming up at home, um, division game. Of course, we know their run game, but they've had their struggles on defense. Jacoby Brissett, been solid. 
but you know, it's Jacoby Brissett. So, you know, you, you feel like, you know, you, you should have an opportunity in that game. And then the following week, you've got the Bucks. Tom Brady's life, personal life is, is a mess. This man's getting divorced from his wife. He's leaving the team midweek to go to weddings. It's uh... <laughs> I, I read today that he gets advanced <laughs> medical screenings like once a week to make sure he eats properly and his blood levels are perfect. Like, okay. what are we doing? <laughs> You, you know, you know. If I was a GM, I have AB on the sideline, staring right at him. <laughs> Played a psychological warfare. Sitting there peeking out of a makeshift window. <laughs> him and Giselle over there. All right, that's too oh far. That's too far. That's too far. Uh, Chris, let me come Wow. Yeah, I tried sneaking in there real quick. Chris, just, just, oh man, let me stop. Pause. Chris, let me come to you. <laughs> What's your vibe coming out of this Giants game? Uh, relieved because I was going to go to this game and I ended up not going. So I'm happy I didn't have to go through that and take that walk of shame through that crowd because uh, that happened to me a few years ago <laughs> on the uh, when uh, Odell scored the game winning <laughs> touchdown a few years ago. When uh, I think Tay- Tavon was a rookie, I think back then, and uh, yeah, that was that was a rough one. Um, but uh, seriously, though, it's just it's like enough is enough already. Like, like Denar said, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You know, false start penalties, lining up in the wrong place from veteran guys, you know, Pro Bowl dudes. Like, there's no excuse for that. Linderbaum, you can, you know, all right, you get it. He's a rookie. You know, he's playing on the road, working off the silent count. That that could be difficult for a rookie center. But Morgan Moses, Pat Ricard, like these guys are veterans. Like you got to know where to line up. You got to know the snap count. And th- there's no excuse for you to be doing that. And the, the whole team in general, like just the, the penalties are, are ridiculous this year for them. And uh, they, that's something that they, they have to get right. That's not a talent thing. That's a focus issue. And I, I think we all agree this team has a lot of talent. But you got to focus. You got to. You know, you can't shoot yourself in the foot because I think you said it, Mike. It's hard enough to beat these teams, you know, just as it is. But it's difficult when you got to beat them and yourself. So, you know, clean these things up, get it right. Um, I think they'll be all right, but they have to clean up these these stupid mental mistakes. Yeah, the false starts in particular bother me. I mean, any kind of pre-snap thing typically bothers me, but – the way they were doing it, that little cheap ass stemming. <laughs> I was like, come on. I know y'all seen this before. Y'all can't be letting this make you jump. Come on. And they just can't. And it's like, it's the easiest thing you can do on defense to try to get a little. But, but that, I'm glad you brought that up because there's an easy adjustment to that. And we'll stop on defense as soon as you do it. You go on a quick count. And it never, the, the, the cadence never changed. They come out of the huddle. He look over defense. He look at his thing. Grab his towel. He scan. They're at six seconds. Guess what? They're gonna stem. Mm-hmm. They know you ain't got no more time. We gonna when there's ten seconds left in the play clock. We're gonna do everything we can to make sure you can't see. Yeah. But quick they, count. they never changed it. You quick count and snap it and catch one of them dudes in mid stem. 
Oh my goodness. We, they, we gouge them, they done. We done. Done. Yeah. You ain't gonna see it anymore. Yeah. It's like it's like the motioning, it's like the motion and trading of tight ends that San Francisco does. You notice if you watch San Francisco against division teams, they don't do it. They don't change, they'll do it probably the first series, see if you remember how to move around. But after that, they won't do it anymore. Yeah. Well, when San Francisco's playing like Green Bay or they come to, you know, New England or something, they're trading and motioning all over the place because those teams don't see it until you either stop trading with them or they're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> they be running all over the place trying to figure out how to get lined up. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I'll say for me, uh, the vibe is, is still determined. It's determined. I'm, I'm determined not to get – too low, not to get too high. All of the pieces are there. Everything you, I, you know what I do. Denar knows is when when I really am like concerned and like, damn man, come on, how come they just can't get it together? I just bombard myself with coaching cliches. You know, everything is still in front of us, right? <laughs> Don't let the same game beat you twice. <laughs> just let them, I let them wash over me and wrap me in like a blanket. Of comfort coaching cliches, <laughs> and so that's that's keeping me supported. Uh, it's validating me right now, <laughs> and so I am determined though because we talked about this a little bit too before we hit record. A lot of young guys playing, um, you know, defense, offense, and you know some of these mistakes are, are being made by the young guys. But Chris mentioned it's not all the young guys; some vets doing it too. Um, but they're also getting to Denar's point. A lot of valuable playing time, you know, a lot of valuable experience and situations that they're getting that you, you know, sometimes you you just can't you can't mimic in practice. You can't simulate in practice some of the reactions and some of the things that are happening in game. So that stuff's valuable, man. And they're getting it early. And I love to see that, you know, you hate when it comes at the at the expense of, you know, or as a result of an injury to a guy like Marcus Williams or, um, you know, hopefully Moses will be OK. I think Harbaugh said he just. Wanted to hold him out for the rest of that game just as a precaution, but um, hopefully he'll be back this week coming up. So you know you don't want it to happen that way, but it but that's happened. I mean that happens. That's the game. You know guys are going to get hurt. That, that's the game, and then you know that's why you build a roster so that you know you've got that kind of depth for people to come in and keep the ship afloat. So I, I I'm still determined that you know everything is there. They can still um, be the team, and this can still be the season that they want it to be. Uh, it's really all on them, as we've said. It's really all about them, and you know about their their ability to correct these mistakes. Um, a couple other things out of that game, just some some stuff that I was thinking about, and then of course you guys, you know, you can chime in um, with any thoughts that you had in that game. Um, the running game, you know, this is near and dear to my heart, as y'all know. Uh, started out maybe a little bit slow, but Kenya Drake, man. He ripped off a couple chunks uh, in that game. And of course, Lamar does what he does. But it feels like the running game outside of Lamar, right? Because that had been the point early on, right? It's like, hey, we don't have a running game other than Lamar. That's it. Since JK has come back and, you know, he got a little dinged up in that Giants game. But uh, it started to to look a little bit better. I've seen, you know, we're trending, we're trending a little bit better, you know, in, in the running game. And I just talked about this Browns defense, particularly their run defense. It has not been good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this this is another thing to kind of look forward to. But what did y'all think? I'll start with you, Carrie. Um, 
uh, about the running game. And I know you mentioned some concerns you had about the offensive line moving forward, about them really not moving people. Um, I don't know if they did any better with that in this game, but they were able to pop some runs. So what, what, what do you think about the run game? Yeah, I mean, I, I see market improvement with them, with the offensive line as far as moving people. And now they're not this dominant front. You know, it's not 2019. They're not moving people in that sense. But I do feel like it's getting better. And then, you know, a lot of it is, um, you know, the stuff that Giro is calling up. You know, he's calling up some good stuff. And then you just got guys that have more juice back there compared to what we had a year ago with Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, some of that. You got, you know, uh, Drake, you got J.K. back. You saw what Justice Hill did before he got hurt. And these guys are are taking advantage of their opportunity. So, um, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with J.K. uh, for this coming week. But it looks like Justice is on the right track, you know, to, to play. And Gus is on his way back, you know, in short order. So, you know, now you got some options back there. Um, and so the offensive line doesn't have to be five all pros, road grading when you got guys that can just make things happen, um, you know, create for themselves, you know, get to the edge when they need to get to the edge, that kind of thing. So uh, definitely like what I'm seeing out of the run game. Absolutely. Denar. I know run game also near and dear to your heart. Um, they've been picking it up a little bit. And, you you know, Terry mentioned the old line there at the end. It's good to see Ronnie back out there again. And he got a little uptick, you know, in his snap count um, this year. He, I mean, in this game, he played, was it, 81, 86%, 51 snaps, 86% of the snaps. So that was that was encouraging. But what do you what do you think about the run game, man? How, you, how do you think it's coming along? It's getting better. Um, I think – be cautious because when you're a blitzing scheme type team, you're going to give up those types of runs because of what you're trying to do. So we just have to see if this is a consistent thing or was this just a, I was able to dial up a few things because of what the defense was giving me. And I was willing to take it in the first three quarters, but decided that the fourth quarter was just not the time to uh, continue that trend. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, can't, can't, can't argue with that, but that's a good point. That's a very good point about the defensive scheme and how that can contribute to some of these runs popping. Uh, we know as, as Ravens fans, uh, what week was here. We, we, we've seen what, how that can happen how some runs can pop on you uh, <laughs> in that scheme. The other thing, before I go to you, Chris, the other, just speaking of week, the other thing stood out to me. I was watching. I was like, man, middle of the field, still wide ass open. Doesn't matter where Why? Why? <laughs> Why open? We refuse to attack it. Doesn't matter where he goes. <laughs> that's, that's a calling card. In the middle of the field, is going to be open. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want over there. <laughs> they went there a couple times, but could have gone there even more. Uh, likely caught a couple. Caught a couple. Clark Kent, aka Josh Oliver, you know the one-hander out there. <laughs> but Chris, let me come to you, man. What do you, what do you think? That's a good way to frame it, though. I like what Denard did. He set me up right there. The run game improvement or fool's goal? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it's improvement. Uh, okay. I think every week we see the O line play a little bit better, and, and I, I do think that they they're really starting to 
gel now. And I think that's something that we spoke about after the Jets game where we said, you know, these guys haven't had any time together. And now we're kind of seeing that cohesion develop between them. Uh, is Other than Moses going out, but everybody on the line is familiar with Makari at this point because he's played next to everybody. So um, um, hopefully it, it can stay that way uh, where there's not, you know, moving pieces everywhere. Uh, they've had the same interior all year. Uh, Moses has been there. Hopefully he'll be back. But, um, yeah, and, and like you said, like Kerry said, you know, these guys got juice now. You know, it, with Drake, Drake looked like the Drake from Alabama the other day because he, he hit the corner on one of those runs, and you don't see that in the NFL. Like, you see that in college where you could just out-athlete these dudes, and he hit that, and I was like, whoa. I didn't know he had that in him. Well, they kept saying on the broadcast, he had the the coaches felt like he finally got his legs back. Yeah. Mm. I was like, damn. I mean, it, it was on full display there. So, you know, you add him to it. Um, Justice coming back, will, you know, was looking great before he got got hurt. Um, and then, you know, hopefully JK is nothing serious with that. But I don't think he practiced today either. So, mm-hmm. you know, cross your fingers with that one. But um, And then Gus the Bus, you know, we're going to have some – some thunder now to this lightning. So, you know, hopefully we can sprinkle in some Gus and, and he'll get those, you know, those tough yards, those fourth quarter runs, you know, that that, that we miss so much. They got to call run first, Chris. They got to call it first. They got to call it first. That was a gas bar. Maybe maybe Gus being back will give them the confidence to finally call some runs in the fourth quarter. <laughs> don't, don't lie to yourself that way. <laughs> but no, nah, it'll be good to see Gus coming back. I, I I think I read that he's like on the cusp. So hope hopefully he'll be back soon because it's you know that's that's something that we missed a lot. You know the big back. Uh, we talk about juice and all of that stuff, but a guy who could move a pile, which we haven't really seen. I mean, they used freaking Mark Andrews on a play to you know get the first down. And, you know, although it was creative, but still, that's, you know, Gus is picking that up all day, every day. And uh, that's something that we miss tremendously. So I'm happy he'll be back soon. Yeah, I think I saw today, it might have been Drebeck who said, Gus is, if you're, like, trying to, like, sort of rank him, like, handicap it, uh, who might be the closest to coming back. It surprised me that he said Gus out of this group, I was about to say. It sounds like he's kind of leapfrogging Gaius. You're not that Tyus is far away, but he said he felt like Gus is maybe even a little closer than Tyus. Um, Kohler obviously just started practicing, you know, come, come opening up his 21-day window. So he's probably still got a week or two or three, whatever. Um, but just, you know, reinforcements on the way, man. Uh, Houston was back at practice today. Yeah. Bateman, like you said, back at practice today. So the Houston thing, that's the next thing I wanted to touch on. I really want to we, – we're going to get into the wide receiver thing. Trust me, I ain't forgot about that. That's a, that's – it's, it's a perennial, it's an evergreen topic. I think that's what they like to call it in, in the business. By the business, I mean the industry. Uh, they call it an evergreen topic for this team. Like You can talk about wide receiver no matter what is going on. Uh, it's always a, a topic that people have opinions on. But defensively, speaking about Justin Houston, this defensive line, I mean, I think I'd be remiss, and I, I'll start off with you again, Kerry, if I didn't talk about Travis Jones in this game, you know, kind of kind of showing – uh, you know, what he's all about, what we knew he was about. Um, Justin Matabike continuing uh, his solid season. 
of course, JPP and, and, and Campbell, you know, still that solid vet duo. You know, something interesting about that. It looked like the Giants early in the game started sliding towards JPP, right? And then they had Campbell on the other side, and they could run whatever they wanted over there. They could straight up. They could run a little twist, whatever. But then they started putting Campbell and JPP on the same side. I didn't really understand why they were doing that if they were sliding that way. But anyway, I'll, I'll let you guys give whatever opinion you want on that. But um, just that D-line carrying some of those young guys, uh, Travis Jones, just a matter of BK, even Broderick Washington, you know, in that rotation. How do you think they did in that game? Yeah. Uh, you know, it goes back to what we were saying about all these young guys playing and how much of a difference that's going to make in week 13, week 14, when you're getting these guys live reps. Uh, I've been impressed with um, Broderick Washington's, uh, Washington's work against the run. You know, he's been able to kind of stand in there at that nose position. Uh, Travis Jones coming back to show those flashes we saw in, in preseason. That's been a great thing to see. We all see what um, Justin Matabike has been able to do all year. And so when these pieces start to come together, you got Justin Houston coming back. You got JPP who, you know, continues to um, knock off the rest at a much higher level than, than I anticipated this early. So you put all these pieces together and you're going to be able to save reps, um, you know, for a guy like Calais Campbell, you know, get, give him some rest. You're going to be able to kick JPP inside, do some interesting things there. Um, you know, it's just going to make for a stronger um, football team. And we we not, haven't even talked about Tyus Bowser getting ready to uh, come back and uh, David Ajabo being able to um, come back and, you know, maybe, you know, towards the end give us some, you know, 10, 15 pass rush snaps on third down. You know, this is going to be a deep and nasty group up front by the end of the season. And it's perfect for the defense that they want to run you know, keeping everything in front of them, um, you know, playing zone, making sure you're sound, you know, just tackling and getting off the field. It's going to help when you got five, six, seven guys that you can throw out there and, and feel good about the the pressure and, and some of the things you can do. Yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. We've talked about it on the fire zone show a bunch of times, man. If you can just get all your horses in the stable healthy, up front in that defensive line. Um, Denard, I'll come to you. Uh, I know how you feel about Travis Jones, and the everything man that he can be. <laughs> was it that, yeah, was it was it their first? Was it that first defensive series where he just took the center and just, just yeah. threw him back into yeah. this? <laughs> this? This belongs to me. Thank you. <laughs> so what do you think, man? Those young guys, especially Travis Jones, just because it wasn't just that play. I mean, obviously because it was the first, you know, it catches your eye. But I saw him like consistent penetration, yeah, just like not back on dudes throughout the game. That's that's what I've seen over the last from his progression from when he got hurt when he got back healthy over the last three weeks. You saw the progression of him, especially last week. You saw him starting to feel the game again. He was moving with the lineman. He was trying to shed, and it was like. It was muscle memory. He was almost there. He was figuring it out like, oh, yeah, I was pretty dominant in college. I just went to the wrong college. Um, <laughs> um, and then this week, this past week, 
you you saw a star start to be born because he was so consistent. And then having Justin next to him, that's who the next four years is going to look like for you as a Ravens fan up front. Now, with Houston coming back, here's where I, I, I'm, I'm running into a problem. Houston and JPP are the same, in essence, the same player in this system. Do you have roster space to carry both? Even though you need the pass rush, do you have roster space to carry him once once Tyus is back? Because Tyus is going to take 60 to 70% of the snaps, if not more, from that coverage linebacker side. So Owe can now flip to the other side, which is his more natural position. So my question is, how much is that going to really help or hamper going forward? I'll find a way. <laughs> if I'm Mike McDonald, I'll find a way. Some dudes are too good. They're too good pass rushers. I got to find a way to get those dudes snaps. And if anything, I'm happy that I can sort of manage their snap load a little bit now where I don't have to put so much on adjusting Houston like he was at the beginning of the year. I can say, hey, man, you can be in a rotation with JPP. You get you 10 or 15, JPP get in 10 or 15, you know, Calais sprinkled in. I hear what you're saying. They play the same spot. Uh, and so you got to figure that out. But, I mean, maybe that's why you get the big bucks, buddy. Well, <laughs> you, you well his play calling in the fourth quarter has been suspect. <laughs> suspect. Like my son would say, that's sus. <laughs> well, maybe he can maybe he can figure out his rotation better. Stop dropping us. people in the goal in the in the red zone. Stop and it. Of, maybe he can figure out his rotation better than some of the calls. Uh, but that's a good problem. That's one that, that's one of those things they call a good problem to have. But you got guys who can rush and you're trying to figure out, hey, how can I get them all snaps? That's that's a it's a good problem. Yeah. Man. Chris, what, what what do you think, man, about the defensive line? Travis Jones, uh Justin Matter, BK, Roderick Washington, anybody, anybody you want to talk about on the T line. I mean, I'm excited, man, because, I mean, hearing you guys talk about this stuff, like, where it's like, oh, there's going to be depth. It's like, oh, like quality depth, not just bodies, quality depth. It's like, damn, we haven't had this talk in a while. You know, it's been a long time <laughs> since we've been able to have this talk. And, and you know, I, th- I think with, uh, like you said, Mike, with Justin Houston and JPP, Calais, you know, those guys, they definitely have to have their snaps managed. Uh, we already saw – Saw it go a little bit wrong with Justin Houston already, where he was just playing way too many snaps and ended up messing up that groin. And Calais, I feel like we see him limping off, you know, at least once or twice every game. And, you know, you got to kind of manage that a little bit better and not have, you know, not Pernell McPhee them in a way where they would just run Pernell McPhee through through the ground. So uh, it's exciting to to get these guys back and, and, you know, be able to see some dudes who can rush the passer, like like uh, Denar said, get Oway back in his natural spot where he's not, you know, playing that Tyus Bowser role, which he does so well. But it's like, damn, how can you, you know, that that's not him. You're asking him to do something that's not him. So um, it, it'll be great to see him, you know, get that boost. So it's exciting, man. It, it's really exciting. 
good problems. I like good problems, right? You say, man, we got all these pass rushers. How are we going to get them? Hey, <laughs> I like that kind of problem. That's one that they've not often. And uh, I, I didn't even bring up David Ojabo either. So, you know, anything you get from him will be a plus, you know, anything. Because I, I honestly, I didn't think we'd see him, you know, anytime soon. I, I thought maybe like late November, maybe December. Yeah. So the fact that he's, I think, in the third or second week of practicing uh, for that, that IR window, it's a good sign. So uh, anything they can get from him would just be a, a little cherry on top. Yeah, seeing him out there practice, just again, like you said, I was like, I, I didn't think this guy was going to be back practicing this soon. And maybe he's practicing for three weeks. Who knows? But just the fact that he's out there getting that work in, um, you know, with a, a, a chance, an opportunity to give him something, uh, maybe, in, you know, coming out of the bye. Um, I don't know, man. I guess I, it, I like you, I was thinking anything he did was great. If it ended up being like a redshirt year, I was like, all right. I mean, that's kind of what I would have expected. But if he actually gives them anything on the field, it's gravy, man. And if he gives them what we saw in Michigan, that's that's the good gravy. That ain't that stuff out of the pack that you add some water to. This is like <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is like homemade. Don't, don't be mad at McCormick Schmidt. <laughs> I, I, I have used McCormick Schmidt. <laughs> I will not. I will not bad mouth them. But I'm just saying, this is this is like homemade. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get me on the buffet analogy again. I'm going to stay off of that. Uh, <laughs> wow. Let's, uh, is there anything else out of this game you guys want to talk about? Because the wide receiver thing is kind of a bigger, deeper thing, at least the way we've been talking about it. Just not like the normal, like, oh, are they going to get this guy? Are they going to get that guy? No, no, no. We ain't talking about it on that surface of a level. We, we, was, we was going a little bit deeper. Uh, but anything else before we do that? Anything else on this game that any of you want to hit on? I, I would like to touch on Mr. Humphrey before before we move on. Now, I know everyone's going to say that his grade has been great up until this point. He hadn't given up any touchdowns until this week. However you want to look at it. But here's my issue, and we talked about this before we came on the show. He's having these moments in games that are just you, – you just can't have as a vet. And they reared their ugly head in this game. When we talked about the third and 14 where at the snap of the ball, you knew his eyes were wrong. Everything about it was wrong. And the fact that even Queen was late, and I understand why Queen was a little bit late, and he had some culpability in this too. But Humphrey was bad on that play, like just bad all the way across it. I don't know if he was caught in different technique or he was supposed to have outside leverage and then backpedal to get outside leverage. I don't know. But it was just a bad-looking play. Then the touchdown where he's literally sitting, looking at the quarterback, and the receiver's coming to him. Like, you, as a defensive player, you drool. These are the Hollywood interceptions that you like, like Madden, like NCAA 2004, high stepping <laughs> type stuff. Like you snatch it and you run for 100 yards looking back from the jumbo screen because no one's chasing you type stuff. <laughs> and we just allow it to happen because we 
are spatially unaware of what's transpiring. And I know we've, I've talked about this before that we, we don't have the parts to fit everything that Mike McDonald wants to do. And that includes corner. And I'm going to say that loud and proud. You need a special kind of zone corner and zone corners are their thing that understands space, time, recognition, route reading, and understanding what is happening in that moment. Because man corners only understand me, ball, man, that's it. I don't care. <laughs> and Mike, Mike Zimmer told me you can get zone corners down at the Wawa. Absolutely. <laughs> All they want to do is eat. <laughs> but you you can see we and we talked about this before the show. You can see on those plays that you talked about, Humphrey, that that struggle between being a man corner and being a zone corner, just in terms of his eye discipline, right? Am I am I, am I playing it like his man? Am I playing his own? What am I supposed to be looking at? You can see a little bit of the the, the wheels turning, right? And yeah, or thinking, yeah, because I mean he's been around enough and when he's played his best ball you know he's he's like 100 miles an hour right here on fire everything's aggressive everything's decisive um and on some of these plays and some of these games you see the wheels turning a little bit you know and uh we it kind of almost takes me back to the uh to the Kyle Hamilton the Kyle Hamilton thing we were talking about I don't know if it was last week or whenever we were talking about we're like hey sometimes guys who have uh, the academic smarts as opposed to just the pure football smarts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they overanalyze some of this stuff, right? And it slows them down a little bit as opposed to guys who just have those real high natural football instincts and they just go. Like we talked about a difference, right? They play different positions, but we talked about him versus Pepe. And you see Pepe just plays faster, right? He's not really all that fast. Uh, no. In terms of like actual foot speed, but he no. plays faster because I think Pepe is just trusting what he sees. All right, here's what I'm supposed to be looking at. Let me read this thing. Now they picked on him a little bit in this game, but hey, hey, that's being a rookie. Wasn't so, his fault. But it wasn't. It wasn't because of hesitation or no. indecisiveness. No, it wasn't that. So no. I think sometimes when you get these guys who kind of have a little bit more of the, and Marlon, I mean, his personality we know is just different to begin with. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there might be some of the, the over analytical stuff maybe going on right now. And it's like, bro, just just play. Just play. play. Yeah, you know how to play this game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's back in the backyard with your brother and your father. Your father's throwing an out route. And your brother's been killing you on that out route all day. And you're like, you know what? I don't care if I get burned on this. I'm just going to jump it. Yeah. Like, just go play with that that fire you had prior to your shoulder surgery. And he's made some plays this year. There was even a play in that game, right down that end zone fade, down he gets Slayton. Now that's man. That's man. That's man, and we know he can do that. We know he can do that. Um, we, so I, we have never questioned his man chops. Yes, we, we might do. have worried about him in the slot at okay. times against certain matchups. But overall, when he's been out there on an island by himself, eight times out of ten, Marl's good. Nine times out of ten, you might get a ten out of ten out of him, you know, every once in a while. But it's it's a little weird out there. 
where he's out there thinking and not playing. Yeah. Chris, Kerry, either one of you guys want to want to chime in on that topic? I know I went out of nah. I think you summed it up. I think you guys summed it up perfectly, man. It, um, you know, he has to just trust himself, trust his ability, and just go out there and make plays. I mean, that's that's all it comes down to. And we've seen him do that a couple times in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has to trust that, you know, he has the ability to do that more. You know, that you were picked as a pillar of this defense by the contract that you were given. Trust that, you know, that's it. You know, he, he has all the, the God-given ability to go out there and make these plays. Um, you know, you just have to, uh, you know, simplify it and just play aggressively. Yeah, and I think that's like the, the overall arching theme for this team for the most part is just play. Like, you guys are good. You guys are talented. You guys have done it before. Don't think so much. Just go play. Do you. You know, and, and after I think that's one of the big problems that we see in the fourth quarter. You see guys pressing, you see guys wanting to make deep play, and you know you can't do that. Trust yourself, Again. trust your teammate, and, and just play make, ball. Make a play, make your play, just right. make your play. Right. I don't need you to go make his play. I need you make your play or be where you're supposed to be. If you where you supposed to be and everybody else is where this, somebody gonna make a play. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we talked about too. That Chris, you said it that that pressing right where you find yourself, the game's turning, right? Momentum switching, and you're like, nah, not again. Hell no, we're not doing this again. <laughs> we're not doing this again. And then everybody starts thinking that. Everybody starts feeling that. Like, hey, all right, well, I'm gonna make the play to make sure it don't happen this time. No, make your play. <laughs> if you make your play. Then it won't happen again. Right. But when we all start trying to make each other plays, that's what got us here. <laughs> that's why it happened. <laughs> so, and that's why you get the jump ball throw across your body to a fullback. That's why we said sometimes, you know, when you, you're trying to change something, sometimes to do more, you actually got to do less. So oh right? my God. You, Woo! You gotta, you, say, you, say it again, Mike. Say it again. <laughs> say that again. Y'all didn't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. Uh, <laughs> sometimes to do more, you gotta do less. Uh, and not, you know, we we not talking about less in terms of you know laziness or less ever. Not do what you're supposed to do. Do your assignment, your responsibility, and you know, on offense and defense. I mean, we talk about this more on on fire zone with defense because. Just what we do, but you know, it fits together. Nard always says it's like it's like a coordinate, it's like a dance. It's all coordinated. And when it's all flowing together and everybody's hitting their step and everybody we're on time, we're on rhythm, we're on beat. It's a beautiful thing. But if you start trying to do this and start trying to do that, I'm over here trying to do, you know, I mean, every now and then maybe you can you can get by with some stuff. It's like, woo, they didn't they didn't get us on that one, man. We <laughs> but eventually, you know, they will. They will. And and you know, whether it's that throw that Lamar was just talking uh <laughs> Nar was just talking about with Lamar, just hey man, just put that thing out of bounds, right? It's third and six, put it out of bounds. We're gonna punt, we up three. Trust your defense. Trust your defense. And you know, you heard him talk about it today. He said he felt like, look, this is the offensive jobs is going now. He ain't he ain't breaking news with any of this. 
But he said the offensive job is to score points, right? He said, I don't ever want to see Justin Tucker out there unless it's to kick an extra point. I feel like he shouldn't even be kicking field goals. <laughs> he should be all touchdowns all the time. And you love that mentality. And, of course, that's the mentality you want your quarterback and your offense to have. But you also got to be smart, right? When it's not there, hey, we got a defense. We got a defense. Let's punt. Let's play defense. Let's trust those guys to do their jobs. They get a check, too. <laughs> Let's trust a them defense to do their that jobs. is improving that went from uh, what was the DVO, whatever that is, DVOA. Yeah, DVOA, yeah, yeah, yeah. They um they went from twenty six to sixteen down to fourteen in the past three weeks against the fifth hardest schedule. So they've went up against some dogs in these first six weeks, and they they came out with three legs and, and a collar. <laughs> so let's 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 keep moving. <laughs> Hey, we need we need uh we need Mark Ingram man to come back up in here because all they need is some big trust. Ooh, ooh. They need some veteran. <laughs> they, they need a little veteran presence that might have walked in the door on the practice squad this week. D Jax. <laughs> he won't be scared to walk up in a, in a in a in a meeting and and say how he feels. Jackson ain't gonna be scared to say how he feels. And and sometimes (laughs) right. The man had a man hadn't played a snap and he had more people in front of his locker than half the squad has had in (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) you don't think this man gonna come in there and throw a little little bit of stank on this um on this young squad who thinks they're better and 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 are and feeling good about himself even though they they haven't played up to their potential. You know, they're gonna get a little reality check with the young with the the wily fun vet we'll call Mr. Sean Jackson, because we, we know his fun time in Philadelphia was all fun and and a bag of chips. And I think I actually <laughs> hung out at the strip club that he uh oh. he staying out with. <laughs> <laughs> Like you got some intel, you got some inside information. <laughs> hey, I, I went up, I went up for a trip for for work, and I, I got in a conversation with the the concierge. Let's just say she she was ready to pull some strings. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let, you we, let me know. <laughs> we we've talked about him before. The player, I see. I'm about to take us off the rails, but I don't think we ever talked about this story. Brian Westbrook at a spot in D.C. on Georgia Avenue that I won't name the name. (laughs) (laughs) But I saw Brian Westbrook up in there. (laughs) And I know, you know, you got a little Westbrook connection. But anyway, that's, you know. know, Hey, some people like to ride horses. Some people like to drive cars, you know. (laughs) I will, I will, uh, to protect the uh, the other people in the story, I will not name any more names or the name of the establishment or even that I was there. Maybe I can see that. I, don't <laughs> I don't know. But you know what I do know? Here's what I do. Know. That's a good way to get into this wide receiver uh, topic. And let's start with him, though, before we get into the broader thing. The, the NAR with the segues. <laughs> even <Yeah. there. laughs> he's a natural. He's a pro. Uh, but let's circle back to you, Carrie, because I think, yeah, we, we definitely got to talk about Deshaun Jackson. Damn, I'm not forgetting about that. Um, so my man, GTFB, get the you-know-what back, uh, is is here. 
with the Ravens. What do you see the impact, uh, Carrie? I, you know, I know some people, hey, pump the brakes. Don't, don't get too far ahead of this thing. The man ain't played in a little while. But they didn't bring him here to sit on the practice squad. So what do you think his, his effect can be, Carrie? Yeah, man, I think he has a chance to be a really useful addition. Like, he's one of those guys that 20 years from now, he's going to be able to still run by you. you know, <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> those kind of layers don't go nowhere. That's the guy that's going to be running by people forever. You know, it, he's gonna catch be that him in a park. He's going to be that uncle at the um, family reunion. Like, come on, nephew. Exactly. I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, when you have that, and I, I like to use the word gravity, and that's a, this is a word that people should get used to because you're going to hear it a lot, you know, in the next few minutes. His speed has a gravity to it that is not in this room right now. And so even if he doesn't give you a whole lot statistically, you're going to know he's on that field. And defensive coordinators have to account for him being on the field. The gravity of that, the ability to, uh, you know, erase the eight-man box is is useful on, you know, on some level. You know, maybe it's not something that you can fully quantify in statistics, but th- that that presence has to be felt. So, you know, I, I think it's a, you know, a really, really um, useful um, um, addition. I don't know if he's going to have a heavy snap roll. At least not to start with, but you know, who knows? It could come on, you know, as time goes on, as he begins to make plays and kind of more assimilates himself in his offense. But you know, I, I just think, you know, I just come back to useful. I think it's a useful uh, addition. Now, Denard, you from a defensive perspective, and we've talked about this before, right? You're dealing with wide receivers. You're dealing with your coverage plan. If you got a guy, really. Crafty, shifty, route runner, possession type dude. Okay, we got to address that versus a dude that can take the absolute top off. I mean, uh, Mardi Gras style, just top off the defense. <laughs> what, are you, what are you more concerned about? I, I ain't worried about the guy, the crafty uh, receiver. Like, I'm not worried about that dude. Who's gonna, like, even to the point, I no offense to Cooper, Cooper Cup. But a lot of his catches are in the slot against linebackers and safeties. That's just poor coaching. That's not that's people not paying attention to where he is. When you have a guy who can take the like in an instant, be on top of your DBs and be over top, you have to account for that with a safety. Like it has to be accounted for at all times. You see this man do the damage he did last year. First time in a while, mind you, 16 games. So he played almost every game. The only game he missed was during when he got traded from the Rams to the Raiders. He only had 34 targets, caught the ball 20 times, but his average was 22-7 for every catch. I, I, I haven't looked at a wide receiver in the Ravens squad and I don't know, since Michael Hee Jackson, that may have gotten too close to that number. <laughs> so why not? 
why not have him on the field? Because A, he's now a threat, but B, he gives you a different threat than than Duvernay because they can run the same stuff, allows you to use Duvernay more as the receiver and having Jackson as the the fly guy. Things open up for you. You're not reliant on Bateman. Now you can get creative, man. That that thing that Steve Smith was talking about. Now you got more speed on the field. Now you can get super creative because now you can use a lot of ghost motion that Roman likes to use and a lot of false things because now you got speed that's going to threaten. It's not just Mike Davis sitting there on a wing back and here comes Duvernay. I wonder what play's coming. <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, I'm looking. I didn't know that he played as much as you, you just laid out last year. I, I was like, I mean, he really played that many games. He, he did. And like you say, it wasn't wasn't a ton of snaps, wasn't a ton of targets. But to your point, average twenty seven point six. But here's the other thing you call my. Aside from Bateman's catch, we know Bateman's long catch against the Dolphins, right? But this dude, he only played what? Out of those fourteen targets, he had a catch for <laughs> seventy five yards. He had a sixty eight yarder. <laughs> fourteen targets. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Uh, now I, I'd have to go back and look at these. I don't know if it was a short catch and run, if it was you know all in the air, but still, uh, just the fact that you can add another guy, another weapon, with that kind of ability in your offense. We know we we got all the underneath stuff. You know about Mark Andrews, all the tight ends. You know we know about all of that, right? Bateman has shown that he can get over the top, make plays down the field. Duvernay has shown he can do some of that too. He can also do some stuff underneath. Uh, and I know I keep setting this up. Now we add a third target. We're going to talk about this. Trust me, we really are. I just want to give Chris a chance to, to share his thoughts about Deshaun Jackson first. So, I, first, first and foremost, um, I thought this is an automatic upgrade over Demarcus Robinson, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like like everybody said, he gives you the threat of someone going over the top. And when you see the, how the defenses play the Ravens, they don't have any respect, especially yeah. if Bateman is out. If Bateman yeah. is out, they yeah. have no respect for Bengals anybody. Were so going disrespectful. Bengals were super disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. you, before you keep going, Chris, how are you going to stack three different three diff defense alignment and not punish that as an offense? That's no. They just trolling you at that point. <laughs> But with a guy like Djax, I mean, you know, Denard just laid it out. 22.7 was the average last year. And that's on limited targets. We know they're not going to pepper him with a bunch of targets. We just need those one or two deep shots over the top just to loosen things up, maybe even get a touchdown. And that's really what he's going to do. Just loosen that up, loosen the defense up. And just pose that threat that, yes, we can do this if you want to play those games. And uh, I think he'll bring that that element to it. Now, my question is, will they use it? That I don't know. That, that I'm not so sure about, you know, because I think they have some horses in the stable that aren't used correctly. And uh, – as far as the wide receiver room is concerned, because we know they could use the tight ends. But 
the wide receiver usage has been highly disappointing for the most part. I mean, there have been glimpses here and there, but uh, it's it's been disappointing. So before I get excited, I just want to see I want to see it how G Row is going to deploy him because I'm not. I, mean, sure I can't. I, I'm, I'm gonna say this. I can't take credit for it. I'd like to take credit for it, but I didn't say it, it was my brother, who is not a Ravens fan. He's a he's a commies fan, so he got his own set of problems that he's dealing with. <laughs> but we were talking about this early today, texting and talking about Deshaun Jackson. I was like, oh yeah, man, we got another horse in the stable. He basically said the same thing that you said, Chris. He was like, but you got an offensive coordinator. He's like, you talking about horses in the stable? You got a pack mule trainer. When you need a thoroughbred trainer. <laughs> and, you know, essentially the conversation ended with, hey, you can stay over there. You got your own set of problems. Right? Don't, don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about Carson Wentz and his thumb. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 your coach backing, backing over your, your quarterback with the bus and the quarterback heard and your, your owner. Don't, that's a whole other We don't even need to Ooh. talk about that. Situation. <laughs> he sent the letters. <laughs> no, we don't need this flag. <laughs> I, I don't need Daniel Snyder in my business right now. Yeah, he he might have not. something on us. I have, right? I might be on that witness list. Let's let's, let's right now. He might be investigating you right now. Hey, hey! hey. <laughs> I heard a helicopter as we speak. But to Chris's point, that is that is always when you talk about wide receivers. In this offense, that that's always the the thing that I think you you. I'm just being real, and people know I'm probably one of the bigger G-Row defenders around. You, even I acknowledge that you just got to be real about it when you talk about wide receivers in this offense. Are they going to be able to reach their potential, whatever that potential might be for that individual? You know, whatever their skill set is, is he going to put them in position to, you know, display those things consistently? Is it tight end? I have no doubt. <laughs> tight ends and in the running game, I have zero doubt that he's going to get the most out of them folks. Wide receivers, eh, you don't know. So, you don't know. so was, was Michael Crabtree just that dude? Yeah, I mean, I think he's always had that dude. Crabtree, he had Bolden for that year. Sammy Watkins, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> he was actually healthy for a season with Tyra. I think he's, he's <laughs> He's been able to feed one dude at wide receiver. He's like, all right, I can do that. I can feed one dude. But uh, those guys were, you know, I mean, we know Q, right, from his time here. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a special talent. Um, I think Crabtree, when he was in his prime, he was a legit dude. Um, yeah. You know, Sammy, the pedigree is there. All the talent, all the measurables, you know, Sammy just can't stay healthy. But all, all of that stuff is there. And we think that stuff is there with Bateman. I'm, you know me. I'm not gonna bad mouth Hollywood. You know that was my guy, so I ain't gonna say nothing bad uh, about Hollywood. Obviously, Carrie knows. Carrie was the first one, really, to kind of put us all on and say, "Hey, nah, this is legit. <laughs> this dude is a legit, legit dude." And he he's been playing that way out in Arizona, you know, until he got dinged up recently. He's been legit out there too. So, is he little? Yes. Does he like to run block? No. But that's okay. <laughs> Injury prone? Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. You had to Liz Frank. Coming out of college, and then I don't I don't know what he's dealing with right now. That's a foot something. I'm not sure what it is exactly. Um, but like Bateman, as far as I know, Bateman didn't get hurt in college, right? He opted out that one year, but I, and, and there was some speculation about that was injury or whatever. But there was nothing documented. I went back last night to read Dane's thing only just to see because I was like, was he hurt in college? 
He had no injuries, no documented injuries in college. And then they, show, they show up in Baltimore. They just they just hey. walk and wounded. Hey, surprise, surprise. That's Steve Saunders' workout. I need to look. I need to look at that trainer. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to look at that trainer. That's all I'm telling you. Well, we gonna investigate somebody. Let's investigate. <laughs> Philosophy starts at the top. Hmm, that's well, that seems like a common theme. Common theme. <laughs> you said once again, like you said about what Steve said. Maybe it's not the offensive coordinator. Maybe it's not the tight end coach. Maybe it's not the water boy or the athletic trainer. They just took jobs that were given to him. Hey, he did they were the best person for the job. He did for the COVID. Maybe the person who's picking Ain't the no groceries isn't picking anymore. Ain't no sugar coat now. He brought COVID up in there in 20, what was it, 2020? But who you hang out with, who you hang out with. No, but who you who you roll with is who you roll with. So that's a reflection of you. Yeah, they do roll with Steve. That's true. Well, Harv's rolls. I don't want to say that. Right, like that. right. That's what I'm the saying. Players, the players do not. <laughs> the players do not. Players roll with with yeah, clearly do not. <laughs> no, nah, players yeah. do not. They've been going and getting second opinions and training in other places. Right. Yeah, they, yeah. So why is he still here? I mean, why, why are we still susceptible to a guy who's – Showed us nothing growth-wise in terms of offensive play calling in four plus years. We got rid of Cam Cameron when the offense was just sputtering. <laughs> it was flying for ten weeks. <laughs> they at least been scoring points. You can't you can't deny that they at least been scoring points. We were scoring points for Cam Cameron. It just they looked ugly. They wasn't top five. We weren't putting up points like that. No, now, people, Joe throwing it deep. <laughs> now people will say it's Lamar. We know that. People we know that argument. People will say, hey, it's Lamar at AG bro. You can go all day with that. But look, damn it, I'm gonna do this wide receiver thing because I done talked about it <laughs> enough times. We're gonna talk about these damn wide receivers, okay? Here we go. Right. Here we go. Carrie. <laughs> been teeing this up for a long time. <laughs> okay. This is finally it. And the the Deshaun Jackson thing was was kind of a, a little a little intro into it. But you talked about that word gravity. I've seen it a lot in the fantasy football space. A lot of guys use that in fantasy football. Um, but even even you know, on the athletic football pod, Robert Mays, Nate Tice, I've heard those guys talk about it. So you laid this out in one of our chats, one of our mini chats uh, a day or two ago. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably about as pro run game as they come. Pro run game does not equal anti-wide receiver. <laughs> I'm just pro run game. But the way you laid that out, I was like, hmm, I had not thought about it that way before. I actually like that the best out of any of the like, hey, they need more wide receiver arguments. Because it wasn't just about this guy or that guy. It's about a guy for sure. It has to be a certain type of guy. But it wasn't about, you know, Odell or this or that. But it's about the effect that that guy, if you've got that guy, that group of guys, it's about the effect that they can have and what they can what they can do in terms of how they affect the defense. So uh, the floor is yours, man. Kind of kind of speak on the same thing you were telling us the other day and how you think it could apply for the Ravens. Yeah, I thought, you know, that over the last couple of days, we've had some real interesting kind of nuanced conversations about the wide receiver position. And, you know, I, I thought it was something that we should kind of talk through with 
you know, for the pod and with the listeners and just try to add a little bit more context to the situation. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking back to before the regular season started, we had Caleb Wharton on and he made the pro case for what they were doing with drafting the multiple tight ends and not investing in receiver. And he laid out a great case for it. And, you know, I was intrigued by it and I was intrigued by it for a, a few different reasons. So on paper, the office of line um, had been um, kind of retooled in a strong way. That's one thing. Um, second thing, there was uh, kind of understated upside with these young receivers that I thought um, could give a little bit more than what people thought. Um, and then the third thing is just that this team was overall just going to be a run first group and they had their running backs coming back, you know, from what we thought they would pretty much be back from week one on. So now you, you fast forward to week seven, the old line has been good. They've been better at pass protecting than run blocking. Um, and they've gotten better at run blocking, but you know, nobody will confuse this group with this dominant run grading unit. You look at the receivers outside of DuVernay, we just haven't gotten it from the young receivers. You know, some of that could be coaching, but some of that has to be on them as well. And then you look at um, the run rate. This has been more of a balanced team. The pass rate is higher than what we expected coming in. So, um, again, I'm a huge proponent for zigging when the whole league is zagging. You know, that was part of um, Caleb's argument. And, you know, I still support a lot of, uh, of things with that argument. But, uh, you know, if you're going to objectively kind of look at everything, um, if you're not doing the things that create dominance when you zag, then you have to kind of reevaluate what you're doing as a whole. Um, I will say this, you know, I'm not going to say that there needs to be some kind of philosophical shift with this team. Um, this is a good team. This is a team that's scoring points. Um, but I look at certain times where there's just peaks and valleys in the play. Um, you know, they're, they're, sometimes the offense just kind of seems hard. It seems too difficult. There's mistakes being made. There's guys not getting open. You know, there's just too many peaks and valleys. And, you know, when Denard talked about a play um, – you know, a couple of bad throws. Uh, well, specifically one bad throw that Lamar had. And I've noticed a trend over the last couple of weeks. He's an aggressive guy that's always looking to make a play. Uh, and sometimes there's not a play to be made, but he's pressing and he's trying to make a play. Well, we put that on the player, but why don't we put that on the situation as a whole? If we've seen him make the right decision or, even as far back as, you know, week three, week four, if we've seen him make some of these throws, make some of these decisions in the last couple of weeks, we've seen him kind of, um, you know, screw a couple of these decisions up. We should maybe look deeper and ask why that is when we've just seen him do it. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's mistakes coming in. The guy's pressed and trying to make a play that may not be there. So 
what do we need to do? How do we remedy that? My thought is, if you add a legitimate high-end threat at receiver, it's it's not so much about what can be quantified by that in a numbers situation. It's about the gravity that that player um, brings to an offense. So when you put another threat like that into this offense, I'm not saying a philosophical shift. I'm not saying you have to change up personnel so often, but let's just say a hypothetical. You trade for a DJ Moore. You go, uh, you know, two tight end set, and you have DJ Moore on one side. You got Bateman on the other side. You got Andrews, and you know, say as likely. Defenses have to account for that differently than they're having to account for it now. You're seeing less eight in the box. You're seeing less aggressive blitzes. You're probably going to see some off coverage uh, because of of uh, uh, a threat that DJ Moore is. Uh, another threat they can take the top off, but also do different things. They build in answers to these questions because now it's the permanent kind of cat and mouse game. You know, you look at. 13 person, not, I'm sorry, not 13, 11 personnel around the league. And I, I talked about this in the group chat. The Vikings, the Raiders, the Browns, they are gashing people in the running game out of 11 personnel. Nick Chubb is almost averaging eight yards a carry out of 11 personnel. And the Browns are a running team. They're, they're, this isn't some kind of philosophical shift to all of a sudden they're going to spread and throw it all over the place. They're in 13 and they're gashing people out of it. And we're talking about a Jacoby Brissett at quarterback offense. Now imagine a Lamar Jackson led rushing offense out of 11 personnel where you can't stack the box because of a threat on both sides, uh, you know, on the boundary and Mark Andrews in the middle of the field. Again, that's that that permanent kind of cat and mouse game. And now I can do tendency breaking stuff off of that. I know you can't stack the box because of what I have. I know what you have to give me. I'm going to keep taking on what you have to give me. Now you have to adjust to that. Then when you adjust to that, what I'm going to do, counter counter that adjustment, making offense easier. And, you know, I, I compare it. I compare it in the chat to fantasy football and, you know, team stacks. But I think an even more apt kind of comparison is betting, like a parlay. If you want to play the way that they've played with the personnel that they ha- have, it's probably going to be like a five, six-layer parlay. You got to get all these things right. If I got threats built in where, again, if we're an eleven and I have these threats, and you can't stack the box, and I have Lamar and, and what I can do with this rushing offense, I'm running at will. I don't need a five, six layer parlay. I, I need three, four, and, and, we're, and we're cashing. So, like, I, I, it's something that people get uncomfortable with. You know, the numbers people get kind of uncomfortable with it because it's not something they can quantify uh, with a number. But trust me, defensive coordinators are not looking at these numbers. 
you know, this is, you know, football is a, is a lot more like basketball than what we, what we think, you know, sometimes it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's Ravens need another Joe, you know, that's what it comes down to for me. So again, I'm not, you know, um, saying there needs to be some kind of philosophical shift saying that, you know, they need to become this spread offense and throw it all over the place. I think that they have to kind of get out of the mindset of value over everything and understand that this wide receiver situation is something that needs to be addressed aggressively. And we're going to lose the value proposition in this, you know, to, to get a high quality wide receiver, you're going to give up high level draft capital. You're going to give up a big contract. In some cases you might give up both at the same time, but trust me again, going back to that parlay, you're creating, you know, a situation where you don't have to get as many things right to be right. So, you know, that was just my overall argument with it, man. I, I just think that, you know, when, when I'm looking ahead to, to, to 2023, um, that list should be short uh, of impact. You need somebody impactful. And I'm not saying um, first, you know, wait and see what happens in the first round. Maybe this receiver fall, maybe that receiver fall. Trade up and get a legitimate guy. Trade Trade for a Calvin Ridley. Trade for a DJ Moore. Speaking you know, parlays. right? <laughs> <laughs> and Odell Beckham Jr. You know, maybe even this year, depending on what's going on with him and his situation. That list should be short. You know, it, it, it's one of those. It, it, it's time to stop stop playing around with the position, man, and really, um, you know, create something that is uh, going to be fear week in and week out. See, see, Red like a parlay, man. I really like him a parlay. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Uh, <laughs> no, let me let me get your 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 thoughts on this. And like, for people who might be listening, they say, "Hey, they keep talking about gravity. What are they what are they talk about when they talk about gravity?" I think I can give you a real clear illustration. Think back to the Packers game last year, right? The Ravens played the Packers, and think back to some of those triple teams against Devontae Adams, <laughs> three dudes over there, right? This is what we're talking about by gravity. It's like a planet, right? And certain things, it's got moons that revolve around it, right? They have to stay within that planet's gravity, right? Because the planet is so big, it has so much mass. These guys have so much mass in terms of what they can do to your defense that you basically have to tilt your coverage. I mean, at times against Devontae, that was more than tilt. That was we we just gonna we gonna put a box and one on this dude. <laughs> we dare you to throw him the ball. Um, now that's an extreme example, but you can look around whether it's Tyreek Hill when he was with the Chiefs or now with the Dolphins, whether it's Stephon Diggs in Buffalo, right? I mean, you can look around whether it's Jamar Chase, right? With the big, you can look around and you can see what these kinds of dudes do to defenses. What would it do for you, uh, Denar? When you're saying, hey, they got. This guy over there, he's okay. Got this other guy over there, he's okay too. But they got this other guy. That's a dude. We we gotta do something about this dude. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta pay more attention to him. Um, but that's the beautiful part of when there's one great guy and a bunch of okay dudes. I can take away one. 
I could take away two if I wanted to. Problem becomes three, four, and five. If you don't have a good three, you ain't beating me. I, I can take away one. I'll give two everything he wants and dreamed of, but he's not going to beat me. So I will say this about the Ravens in general and, and their approach to wide receivers. And I think you have to look at the league as a whole when you, when you look at this. Each team is constructed in a way they feel like is best way for them to be successful in terms of how they scout and their philosophy. And they go hand in hand. And I think the good football teams who are always good each and every year have a strong foundation of that. The New England back in the day and, and the Ravens most times, not in the last couple of years, but you know, the 49ers, you know who they are. You know who Kansas City is. You know who these teams are and what they do. When it comes to this squad, they made a choice with their salary cap and what they were as a philosophy, which is what dictates what they have to do at receiver. When you come into the salary cap age in the NFL, you can have either you, – you can't have all four. You can have two really, really, really shiny things that you wear every day around your neck or your finger that you're going to flash everybody. That's who you're going to pay. And the other two guys, you, you hope they materialize and they be players. But other than that, you're not going to be able to pay everybody. You're not going to be able to be talented everywhere because certain guys are going to need to get the ball certain times. And you're not going to pay a wide receiver $16 million when you are paying your left tackle, when you're paying your right guard, when you're going to be paying your quarterback, and you already paid your tight end an exorbitant amount of numbers. So you've already paid your pass catcher, in a sense. So you you really don't have the money, and you don't have the space in your offense because of your philosophy. And the same thing kind of goes on the defensive side of things. The Ravens' philosophy is secondary first. D-line second. And that's kind of switched in the last year because of what defense they're coming into now. But the position that destroys this team each and every week that we didn't really touch on, but linebackers, we don't invest anymore. And it's a problem. And the same thing with the wide receiver group. It's a problem. But it's not a problem because of the talent. It's a problem because of the philosophy. Problem because... You can't justify giving Lamar Jackson $250 million and the ball is going to be out of his hands 10 to 16 times a game to a wide receiver that may catch the ball and not fumble and not kill time and, and give your offense and defense time to rest. Like, I think that's where everybody's frustration is. They go out and they see these teams like the Bills. They have you know Stephon Diggs. You got Justin Jefferson. Bills could pay because they hadn't paid Josh Allen yet. So they had to basically 
break down their offensive line, which is a little bit suspect right now. You can tell their running game is really suffering. So you have to sacrifice something. If you want a pass catcher, what are you going to sacrifice? Because you sacrifice the offensive line, we're going to be complaining that Lamar doesn't have time to throw to this $16 million quarterback. If you sacrifice your quarterback, then who's going to be throwing the quarter? Who's going to be throwing the $16 million wide receiver the football? So you damn if you do, you damn if you don't. You have to pick your poison, you have to stick with it. And unfortunately, we live in Baltimore. We run the football. <laughs> Until you change the philosophy at the top, they're not going to change and hope and pray they hit in the draft. But even if they hit in the draft and they have a stud duck, the offense is not catered to give that guy a chance to be a stud duck. He's going to make anywhere from 50 to 70 catches and have about seven or touchdowns. Is that worth $16 million? No, it's not. Because you're paying your tight end $15 million to catch 14 touchdowns a game. I mean, 14 touchdowns a season. That's your production. You love Mark Andrews so much. That's what you got. But not this guy. <laughs> we know you don't love Mark Andrews nope. so much. You, you saw right. it on you saw a glimpse of it on thir- on Sunday. <laughs> Dropping passes it. that I shouldn't be dropped. It. <laughs> I knew it's the same thing in tight games. This this is not a blip. This is what this man does. He drops balls in critical games and critical situations. Now, listen, I got to go to Chris now. You've hated on Mark Andrews, and you've also thrown a wet blanket on the wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Man's a menace. <laughs> and now I got to go to this to get his on, on what Gary said. Don's going to be the Antichrist. <laughs> after, this, after this destruction that you have laid out here, Chris, I don't even know, man. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so um, I know where I'm making my cuts at. When it comes to the budget, here we go. Who are we sacrificing? Defense. <laughs> it's, it's plain and simple. I mean, you're paying all of this money for this defense that's ranking last. So we're paying for last place, top dollar for last place. But we might as well go cheap, and if we're going to be last place, so what I what I would, and it's weird to say this, like. Like, me from five years ago would slap the shit out of me for saying this. (laughs) Because I feel like the people that are Ravens fans become Ravens fans, like, outside of, you know, people who who live in the area. So, like me, I didn't grow up in Baltimore, but I became a Ravens fan because of defense. So, it's, like, blasphemy for me to even say that. But when I look at what we have at quarterback. I'm not going to take away from the offensive line because for me, that's the foundation piece of an offense, the offensive line. They open up so much, the run game, time in the passing game, keep your quarterback upright. So I'm not taking from there. Going to have to pay Lamar. Going to have to pay him, you know, what a small island goes for. So then if you want to bring that gravity player in, whether it's, moving draft capital, whether it's uh, drafting somebody high, 
paying somebody, I feel like that's the way to go in today's NFL because the days of the dominant defense are over. You know, the Bills have a tremendous defense. I love their defense. They got torched in the playoffs. Torched. You cannot be a dominant defense, consistently dominant defense anymore. The way the rules are, the way the game is played, it's just, it's impossible. And I hate to say it, but it's a, you know, it's a reality that we have to live with watching this game. They want the offense to be first and foremost. They want those Bills Chiefs games that go into, you know, 47 overtimes and it's just touchdown after touchdown in 30 seconds. That's what they want. So, uh, but like Denar said, we can have all of these pipe dreams and all of these wishes. As of right now, this is who this franchise is. This is what they do. Now, are they going to be at a crossroads this offseason? Are they going to have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know, this worked for X amount of years. But what's Lamar's Twitter handle? New era. era. (laughs) And, you know, some questions are going to have to be answered because, like Kerry said, you want to make things easy. Like, yeah, I I fully believe that this team could win a Super Bowl this year with what's on their roster. I believe they can. But why make it more difficult on your, you know, on your quarterback, on your young quarterback, where he's having to throw to guys like Demarcus Robinson, where he's having to throw to guys like Deshaun Jackson, you know, 35 years old. You know, it's, it's not the same – Deshaun Jackson from back in the day. And we have to look at it. And their their answers at wide receivers haven't haven't worked. You know, they drafted James Prochet, they drafted my guy Tylen Wallace. Whether it's their fault, whether it's coaching staff's fault, it just hasn't worked. And I think in the in this draft, I think we were gonna see a shift with the as Mike calls it, the need for speed. I feel like they thought they could stick at 14 and get one of those wide receivers that they like. And then everybody just jumped up. I truly believe that they felt they were going to get one of those guys. And it just didn't work out. So I do believe in the gravity player theory. Uh, Like Kerry said, there are things that the numbers just won't show. The numbers won't show a, a DC you know, staying up at night worried about this player at wide receiver and them wanting to game plan to take that player out out of the game. And the Ravens don't have that. It's stop eight, stop 89. That's what teams want to do. Nobody else. Nobody else scares them. But then at the same time, we can say all of that too. And like I told Mikey Carey in the chat, and like I told you guys earlier with Deshaun Jackson, even if they get that, you know, that Ferrari, that, you know, that high price premium player, are they going to know what to do with it? I don't know. I, Duvernay seems like a really good player. Yeah. He's not being used correctly. And it's been three years now. I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, Debo or anything like that. 
but I think he's better than what he than the way he's been used in this offense. You know what I have a I have an issue with with this offense. Besides when they start doing what's that? Besides Mark Andrews. <laughs> Besides Mark Andrews. <laughs> Besides Mark Andrews is when something's working, they don't go back to it. They ran jet sweep. They ran toss pitch with Duvernay, and we didn't see it ever again. Right. Yeah, we had a conversation about that in the group chat. It's such low-hanging fruit. It's right there. You just did it. It's just worth like, you, why is that you may not get 15 yards, but you may get five. And guess what? It's second and five. Let's roll. We, we were so excited about it in the Bengals game. We're like, all right, here we right. go. Here we go. But then Chris they, knew it. Chris was like, no, they, they'll never do this again. And, and, that's, <laughs> and, and that's where the fourth quarter issues come in, where you have to be a little creative in the fourth quarter. You have to have plays that are literally built to get you first downs on first down. Like, you got to have plays that are automatic. I can go out there and get eight yards. I should be able to sling out there and get eight yards. I should be second and two, and I should be able to consistently move the ball. And you should be able to be able to coach yourself in that. You know who did that in the fourth quarter on, on Sunday? The Giants. They ball. <laughs> they ball, man. He went in the bag. He was in his bag the entire fourth quarter. He went in the bag, baby. Why? Because they had to be creative because they knew they had to move the football. Because Baltimore defense decided to be basic. The reverse pass? Come on now. The reverse pass? What was that? A reverse screen or whatever they were? They were just, they were in the bag. But, but those are the things. You only have to do that once or twice in the fourth quarter to get first downs. And that's two, three minutes off the clock. That's the that's the difference. If you're creative in that way and use the players that you have, we wouldn't be sitting here having discussions about nonsense about wide receiver use if you just, just be creative at the end of the day. Just be creative. Or just do the stuff that you've been doing that works. <laughs> or go back to the stuff you ran in the first quarter. Do that. Because they're not – they know you. They scouted you. They don't. They know you don't run what you run in the first quarter. If we go back and watch each and last play of, of first quarters for the Baltimore Ravens, if it's not a base play, we know their base play. Yeah, yeah, that makes any gadget or weird little wrinkle they ran for the week, they only run in the first quarter. They never run it again. Hmm. I've noticed that for six weeks straight. And you don't think NFL teams have picked up on that? Why do you think they're losing in the fourth quarter? I imagine they spend a whole lot more time studying this stuff than we do. Absolutely. <laughs> and if I'm picking that up on a casual viewer, what do you think those nerds sitting in a box doing? <laughs> they know your play call before you ran it last Tuesday. <laughs> All right, listen. Last year was later in the season, but you called for a coordinator change last year. Are you already calling for one this year? Or you you not there yet? It should happen at the bye week. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Last year was week after the Bears game. That was it. You were done. Now- but you haven't you haven't changed. You haven't shown anything different in two years. I'll oh, give you the COVID year. 
I'll give you COVID year. That was jacked up crazy. You did the best you could. But nothing's changed since then. You're still the same offense. You're still sputtering. You said you went in and added 20% underneath the center. We don't even see that anymore. That's gone. And you got the offensive line. And the offensive line is healthy now. Yeah. And you're in shotgun third and eight running a read option. How creative are you? (laughs) Hey, it would would time up. I went to go look at the schedule. So that was week. What was Chicago? Chicago was week 11, right? You said this year, after the bye, that'll be week 11. (laughs) (laughs) You've been consistent in both of your calls for coordinator change. Uh, And I, you know, we, we even talked about this before the season. Like, if everything came together the way the, the way that we thought it would on offense. Guys stayed healthy. Guys came back. Ronnie coming back. JK coming back. Because, you know, we talked about all that. If, 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 if all those things happen and you still had this inconsistency on offense, like, yeah, we can score points. We'll have weeks. We can score with everybody, anybody. But then, you know, we have weeks where we kind of sputter again. We said this is probably going to have to be a change. Now, I've, I've leaned towards it being at the end of this year. I mean, you can pick, you can, you can get into nitpicking about whether you think you should wait to the end of the season or whether you make it, you know, in season coming out of the bye. But it wasn't me saying that. And like I said, I've been a, a great Roman defender. Hasn't been so much because I don't think that the offense hasn't been effective. But after a while, when you have that level of inconsistency, like the inconsistency is consistent, you got to change something. And I'm not saying I know that that change is going to fix things, but you got to change something. You're a bad football team when you're you're inconsistently consistent. That is like the – that's your worst nightmare. It's like Harbaugh. Somebody somebody tweeted that quote out uh, from a couple years ago when he was talking about the move from Cam Cameron. And he said, it's like we're on a highway, but we're in parallel lane. We weren't in the same lane. He was going, we were over here, and we were over here. And he's like, after a while, you got to merge. You got to come into the same lane. If you don't, you got to get off. You got you got to make a change. And so, you know, I'm just saying, that he, as much as I defend the guy, and I think that the offense has been, in terms of scoring points, I'm not going to get into all the passing yards, because so I, I don't give a damn. I care about points. In terms of scoring points, they've been in the top. 10, probably, you know, before they got, you know, the 2021 season, they were probably top five, top six um, for, you know, 19 and 20. But eh, no, nah, they were probably like eight. I think they were seven or eight and 20. Uh, maybe lower than that. Never mind. Top 10. <laughs> I keep going down. They've scored points, and they've been among the best at scoring points. But, you know, this, this kind of consistent inconsistency, like I said, at a certain time, you just got to say, well, I don't know that this is the problem. I don't know if it's a play call, but I got to make a change. I got to do something, right? So, you know, whether that happens in week 11, hey, if it did, be damn sure I'm tweeting this out. I'm going to say, hey, uh, (laughs) (laughs) caught it right here. He said it was happening, coming out of the bye. Uh, Because, you know, we love to pat ourselves on the back. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I hope it doesn't, really. I, I hope that it doesn't, only because to me, if it doesn't, it means that they've righted the ship in whatever way they need to right the ship and they're scoring points and they're winning games, right? Not because I have some kind of like personal, like, hey, it could be whoever. I don't really give a damn who it is. 
um, as long as they're scoring points and winning games. So to me, that would be an indication that, all right, they're doing that if he's still here. If he's not here, then then we know. You know, we know that something has come to a head and they're like, hey, we had to we had to make a change. And then the end of the offseason, you know, in the offseason, if they don't make the playoffs, which is hard for me to even think that, I think it's such a playoff team, then you'll definitely see changes. You'll make the playoffs this well, year. I'm not going to resign. You will damn if, sure if, if, if they have a flat end of the season and this thing's like a scrambling 10 and 7, Lamar's not going to resign here with, with Rome, Roman here. Now, well, with that scramble of a mess at the end of the year. Well, that's no choice. That's, right. no, that's, that's no decision. If it comes down to that, that there ain't even a decision to be made. I think that's the real reason why he didn't sign. I think he wanted to leverage at the end of the year. Yeah, and I think that's the big thing too. Is you want to get ahead of that? You know, if you're the if you're the man up top, you don't want it to get to that point. So if you see the writing on the wall, and it, I mean those people, they're in the building every day. They see the you know when you're at work, you know who likes who, you know who gets along with who. You know you walk by like uh huh. Yeah. So so it's like you you know you know what's up. And uh, you you want to nip that in the bud before it could even get to that point. So, but I mean, then again, I mean, we could just I could just be projecting, and they could just be head in the clouds. You know, like yeah, this is what we do. You know, very full of themselves. You you never know what they, the way they're thinking. They've yeah. been in that that crew has been in there for a very long time, and they could feel like they're Teflon for all we know. Not saying that's what it is, but. You know, when that's you stop, when you stop seeing your own flaws, mm-hmm. that's your demise. Yep. And I mean, we've seen that with, yep. you know, that's that strength trainer. A lot of players don't like that dude. Yeah. He's done some messed up stuff that caused the team some turmoil. Still on that sideline yeah. two years later. Yeah. Right, I mean, that, right like you said, that, that starts at the top. You got to look at the top and say, hey, man, look. Regardless of what your relationship is with this guy, if this isn't what's best for the team, you got to go. <laughs> is it is it business or personal at that point? Well, you it, know, sound like, it sound like it's more personal than it is business. Well, you know, for Harbaugh, and he's not the only coach. Um, Bruce Arians used to talk about that. He used to say, hey, your loyalty to your assistants, that's your number one job as a head coach, is being loyal to your assistants. And, I don't, and a lot of old school coaches think that way. And so – Back to what Chris was saying, trying to cut something off, you certainly don't want to get yourself into a situation where it really is that. It really is Lamar sort of saying, hey, man, we got to get something different in here at offensive coordinator. And Harbaugh, like, well, that's my guy. Right? If he go, I go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't want to get into that. I, I, I don't think Harbaugh wins that battle. No, and I don't even think he would play that card. If it came to that, if he was even thinking, if he go, I go, Steve say, hey, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You want to play them games? Putting two stamps on both of y'all and shipping you Right. They're going to know it, buddy. <laughs> but I'm sure that card was played with the Cam Cameron because he was, I believe, he was on the last year of his deal, too, at that point, Harbaugh, hmm. at the end of that season. So you leave, he leaves, or y'all leave at the end of the season. Yeah, hmm. that's what I'm saying. I think Harbaugh's smart enough to know, okay, I, I, I'll tell you where. <laughs> right. Let me go talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, your boy he's retired. He <laughs> <laughs> was he was back like two minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you got his sever package from the Ravens <laughs> as he went over and coached Tennessee. Did you get into the we situation? <laughs> I think you just like let me let me go talk to Greg. Let me just, can I just tell him? Let me tell him first. Let me go talk no, to him. No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I'm, pulling a, I'm pulling a Herm efforts. When we when they lose against the Browns, I'm meeting them in the end zone. Don't even go in the locker room. I already packed your stuff up. They did hurt so dirty. They did him so dirty out on the field. <laughs> He did her so dirty, man. He wouldn't do that. And, and then on the, on the front end of that, he had spies in the building that was selling him out. And everybody's just looking around like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> what a disaster. What a disaster. Well, Which you, know you could be Brian Kelly right now. Hey, every, every everything bad that comes to that man, he deserves. Deserves, <laughs> deserves and more. <laughs> Putting that poor GA up there in that scissor. Anyway, I won't go back. I won't, I won't go all the way. I won't go you going back there. to Cincinnati days? I won't. I won't go all the way. That, that happened in Notre Dame, I think. Right? I thought that was that. That's. I thought that happened at the end of Cincinnati's, which is why I thought he ended up in Notre Dame. It could be. I can't remember where it happened. <laughs> uh, but you know, so it happened during the, the national championship run, right? Cincinnati yeah. was like twelve and one or something. It may have. I don't remember. But. <laughs> Like you said, whatever, whatever bad that comes that way, it comes his way. He's probably earned it. Uh, Man, just, <laughs> just that, just that little dance he was doing on that spin, spinning platform with that 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 recruit that time. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a jailable offense right there. Alone, that man should be locked up. Still. That's up there. That's up there with just get down. These things have got to be stopped. Miami's tight ends, Giddy. Like, what are we doing? That's It's got to be stopped. It's got to be stopped. Even Jamar Chase, even Jamar Chase said, "Hey, I ain't trying to hate, but that ain't it. That ain't it." Leave alone. Hey, that's the sign when we get to this. Single-handedly trying to kill it. This is always this is always the sign that it's time to end the pod when we get to this point. Right. We start shooting off in multiple directions. But look, I do want to end it on a You talking about Daniel Snyder? No, no. <laughs> oh yeah, we got we definitely gotta cut it now. We are not gonna do it. Man, no too much. No, no, I don't want him investigating me. I got my own problems. Okay. I laid out all my problems before we start recording. I got enough stuff going on. I don't need this man up in my business. I got enough other people up in my business, literally. So I got two black <laughs> at the front door. I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, it's been a rough couple months here in the Crawford for me personally. <laughs> but we're gonna end. We're gonna end on a, on an upbeat note because people are gonna listen to this. They be like, man, they want the OC fire. They want the coach fire. <laughs> it's not what we're. Well, I won't put words in everybody's mouth. Uh, let's just say let's let's say this because uh, I do think. I heard this from everybody, so I think I can I can say this accurately. We believe there's enough talent on this team for them to be better than what they've shown. Right? I think we all agree with that. And the things that they're doing that are hurting them are things that we think they can fix. We, I think they know what the things are. I think they're aware of these things. Um, but can you be disciplined enough to get them corrected and keep them corrected. 
You know, that's 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 kind of been a word I've used a lot around this team is discipline, you know, because Dart has probably heard this is an old coaching thing. You are what you put on tape. Whether whether you are in outright, whether you're directly coaching it or you're allowing it to happen, you are what you put on tape. And so, you know, that's Parcells. Parcells, hey, you are what your record is. Record is what you are. I think I even used that earlier in this week, and they are a three and three team. When you look at how they play, they play like a three and three team. I mean, that's 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 just the the bottom line. But that doesn't mean that's who they will be. It's where we are right now, right? Doesn't mean that's who they will. So if you can if you can get these mistakes cleaned up and put them behind you and get into flip that script on that consistently inconsistent thing. Let's be consistently consistent. Let's do that. Right. And then I think you'll see the potential that this team has all the talent is there. Lord knows they got talent on both sides of the ball. Um, so young yeah. and, and not a lot of glue guys yet that have yeah. like stepped up. I need a couple more blue guys. I need some some. I need somebody to start a fight. Maybe mm-hmm. punch somebody in the stomach. Ab, you want a blue guy? You want a blue guy? Get Ab. <laughs> what? But but that's the thing though. Chris been calling for Ab would here. come in and be so. But that's the thing though. Ab would come in and be so polarizing, but all polarizing for the right reason because he comes to practice every day, busts his ass. Shows you how much of a baller he is, and then goes out in the field and doubles down on it because he's that dude. I'd rather go fight for that dude on the field than a, uh, a Robbie Anderson that everybody wanted up in this camp. That's a bad look for Robbie on the sideline. That was that was. A bad you think look. I want that on the sideline? That was a bad look. I don't know what was going on there. You know, I heard uh, Darius Butler and Antoine Bidet talk about that, and they both say, hey, look, for all we know, we don't know the wide receiver coach, whatever says, something sideways, something out of pocket. He might have been in the right, but that's not how you handle it. As a pro, that's not how you handle it. We go back in the locker room one-on-one, we talk it out, that's one thing. But you don't handle it like that on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, And and that's coming from them. That's not me. I ain't trying to put where that's – that's two guys who played in the league, respected guys who say, hey, even if you write, that's not how you handle it in that moment. Right. And for every flaw that AB has, AB's never, except for the Tampa Bay Jet thing, <laughs> <laughs> that probably deserved it because he just he, he knew Tom and Bruce. He's like, this, this place. But other than that, he was never the issue. People made him the issue because he was different. That's why everybody wanted to play with him because he was that dude. As long as we ain't around no pools in Dubai, we good. <laughs> Our car washes. <laughs> we good. But you know, not some of those like 10 car washes. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, some, I don't know that. I don't know. But some of them stories <laughs> of him back in Pittsburgh that he has told and that some of the other players have told. I've heard Ike Taylor tell some. Even Joy Palomalo told some. They said, that's just how this dude was in practice. They, all these guys are competitors, but they're like, this dude was like on another level. He's being DBs in practice. He's like, that's why I got paid before your ass. You stank out here. <laughs> I mean, he's just yelling at people, cursing at people, just embarrassing people. But I was watching. 
Because he wanted to watching, win. Yeah, I was watching the Jordan. Quick thing on Jordan. Jordan, they were talking about Jordan being an asshole and, and a dick and all these other things. He's like, you know what? And all the players would say it. Scotty said it. Uh, Will Purdue said it. Uh, Kurt, uh, what's his name? Bushler said it. They all said it. He's like, we all needed it. We all needed a guy who would come in there and smack us in the face and tell us when we were being soft and being too timid or or being too much about ourselves or too being too big, getting our heads too big. We needed a guy like that. And it was even better that it came from Jordan because he was the baddest dude on the planet. So who are you going to fear more? This dude, do you want to mess up for Michael? This man in practice telling you catch the ball. And you tell him you did. And Mike saying, no, you didn't. I watched you drop it. And you sitting there literally having the ball in your hand, wondering, did I actually drop this? Is this a dream? <laughs> <laughs> and this man has convinced me I dropped this. But it's in my hand. I fear. <laughs> we don't have this on this team. Ray Lewis did that for this team. They ain't got nobody doing that unless they, they, they had Troll Suggs did that for this team. Yeah. The magic, the magic trick guy, he might have been able to convince somebody. <laughs> 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 and the guy on your team can convince you that water is green and, and you do not drink water. <laughs> We're going to see what happens this week against the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end it there. We're going to wrap this up. We want to thank everybody for listening. Don't forget, like, subscribe, download, tell a friend to tell a friend. Interact with both of the shows on YouTube, at Deep Cover Pod, at Fire Zone Show. Deep Cover is now on TikTok. Check us out on there, too, man. We're just trying to expand and just touch a whole lot of different people in a whole lot of different places. Uh, always tap into Kerry and his fantasy content. Going to have that DFS lineup coming out this weekend. Uh, Kerry ain't been, been telling y'all, but he's been making some money. He, he, he been cashing in some of these tournaments. <laughs> yeah, I ain't so, on that screenshot like, but you know, I'm mean, pop a couple out there. I don't blame you. Hey, 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 I don't blame you. Everybody don't need to know what's going on. We ain't got to put that out there like that. Daniel Snyder wants his cut, though. <laughs> Another Daniel Snyder reference. That's it's time to go. All right, like I said, y'all be good out there. Until next time, we'll talk to you.